0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Strike away. Here he comes. Cave, a fly ball to right field. Over is Carroll. Hello and welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian Speed Reporter for MLB.com and Sarah Langs, Researcher and Reporter for MLB.com as well. And my gosh, what a week of baseball we had. I know this sounds like so ridiculously cliche and it's like, oh my gosh, the best we could have seen. No, it truly, I, I don't know how to not be cliche in this because that was as good of Uh, LCS series that we could get on both sides. Like, rarely I feel like do you get it on the ALCS and the NLCS where it's just as good as it's going to get. And both Series won 7 games, both were so exciting. Uh, I could I truly just there's no better way that you could have spent those this week of baseball Um, and we can start with the one that ended most recently as we're recording on Wednesday before the World Series gets underway last night uh, for us it was the Diamondbacks that pulled the ultimate upset just ask uh, mad dog uh, of Chris Russo. Who has been very funny i saw him tweeting or posting on x after after the game was over um posted some sort of a graphic meme whatever it might be saying enjoy retirement um just very funny things if you missed it mad dog was saying on the radio if somehow the diamondbacks would win game six and game seven uh he would just retire right on the spot he was that confident in the phillies um, it was so funny the way that he's staring into this now. He just posted like crying emojis, but it's sort of how the world felt. And I don't know why, because Arizona has demanded that respect since the playoffs began, since like the, the end. I mean, the last few months, it really, um, especially since the playoffs began. And yet the world was still like, slam dunk phillies. We were even thinking slam dunk phillies. Um we fall under that umbrella and it was just so ridiculously fun to watch. It was so entertaining and the fact that they pulled off the ultimate upset was just so I think so good for baseball. Um this Phillies team was great. It was fun. It would have been just as fun in the World Series. Um but I think it was a great storyline. What was it like for you watching?
1: I mean, I agree with you, it's so good for baseball and I'm sorry to the Phillies fans, I picked them to win the World Series, but it's so good to see a team with so many young, exciting players, with a manager who is adamant that so much of it has to do with the clubhouse chemistry. To see a team like that succeed, just gives you so much faith in the way we will never understand baseball. And I mean that in a really good way. It just gives you faith in the fact that anything can happen, which is what makes this so, so incredible. And I mean, I feel like I said this last week, and I will say it through the end of the World Series, no matter what happens, the Dimex feel like the first team will actually deserve and are completely allowed to use the storyline of nobody believed in us. I mean, I remember after they won one game, I think it was after game four, they posted a video, or maybe even after game three. After they won the game, they posted a video on X, of all of the, you know, different people going on their platforms saying, Oh, this is over. Oh, my, God, they have to go across the country and lose and all these things. <laughs> and it was just like, and we're still here. I love how they leaned into the Snakes Alive thing where the guy had that sign in Game 3 that everybody made fun of because people are mean and stink and said like, oh, he couldn't do any better than that. It was just a printed all caps sign. I loved it. Hey, if you don't have artistic ability, but you wanna bring a sign, you do what you gotta do. There was this one guy with a piece of printer paper saying, Snake's Alive, and the next day, in multiple sections at Chase Field, they put little printout papers that said, Snake's Alive, with their little chaos logo on them. There's just, everything about this team is, man can't think of a team that is easier to root for if you don't have an allegiance. If you aren't a Dodgers fan who's so salty, if you aren't a Phillies fan who's upset, there's just so many positive, uplifting, happy things about this team. And I think if you're someone whose team either didn't make it or you're a casual sports fan, that's what you want, right? I mean, this team is someone like Alex Thomas hitting that incredible game-tying home run as a pinch hitter. This team is Corbin Carroll with two small bases in winner-take-all game. And this team is also, as I mentioned, Evan Longoria, who turned, what, 30. 30- six or during this series, and who is headed back to the World Series for the first time since 2008. I think I dropped my out long ago set when they were headed to the uh, LCS, and so I updated last night for the World Series. So he is the fourth player, and again, first non-pitcher to appear in the World Series 15 or more years after his prior appearance, joining Dennis Martinez, who was there in 1979 with the Orioles and then 95 with Cleveland, Jim Codd, who was there in 1965, with the Twins, and then 1982 with the Cardinals, and Babe Adams, who was there in 1909 with the Pirates, and then 1925 with the Pirates. So all of them are pitchers, and there are so many things that keep coming up that tie this 2023 Dimebacks team to the 08 race. And then you have the fact that they're exciting rookie from that year is now on the team as the elder statesman. And looked something up for uh, our friend, Anthony Cashman yesterday about Team Sab, a rookie lead them in position player war and win a pennant. And the other teams to do it were the 1916 Cubs with a player I never heard of, which is amazing because at this point, I feel like I've heard of most players, or certainly a lot of them, even those old-time ones, uh, but the 19, 1918 Cup. sorry, I may have said 16, the 1975 Red Sox with Fred Lynn, the 2023 Dimax this year was Corbin Carroll, and the two thousand eight. Rays with Evan Longoria and I feel like every single Saturday I've looked up about rookies and young and whatever is like oh it's them and the 08 Rays and I just love that Evan Longoria is there to say hey we did this. I know we didn't win the World Series that year but let's change that and win it this year.
0: It's so funny that you brought up Anthony Kastrovitz because that's exactly where I was going next, just briefly, because I thought he said it so well on X and he wrote about it, obviously, in the story that you helped him with yesterday. But the way that he put it in, in this post was they were, the Diamondbacks were projected to finish fourth in their division. They went 16 and 34 mid-year. Their highest paid player was released. Their war leader is a rookie and they were down 0-2 in the LCS. And he said, the D-backs are the most unlikely World Series team of all time and wrote about it beautifully as he always does. But like, I think that's just the best way to put it. And that's why they can steer into this cliche, this, the word of this podcast this cliche apparently of nobody believed in us because truly it, it, was, it was true. That's, that's how it, it looked um, and that's how it's been since the beginning of the season Um, and it's funny to just keep seeing the odds that are getting posted right now, flashing back of like, oh, if you would have looked at the odds in last winter, this is what it would have been. It was like 1750 to one or something if you would have done the Rangers, um, D-backs World Series. It's ridiculous. Um, all of this stuff is so fun. And I think that's what makes it so exciting to getting into this World Series.
1: And especially with the Dynamax, what's really important is that even if they are the most unlikely World Series participant, certainly in our lifetimes. We knew they'd be good soon. I wish, maybe I'll go back, I don't like listening to my voice, but maybe I'll go back and listen to what we said when we previewed the NLS with Juan. was that? That was our first preview. But I think I said, I hope I said, because I know I thought, that the Dimebacks would be a force to contend with next year. I really thought that the way they're looking with guys like Corbin Carroll, with Zach Allen being so good, that this was a team that was almost ready to compete. And I think that's important because I don't want people who are less maybe aware of the full storyline to think, oh, this is a random blip. And they're going to lose 100 games next year. No, this is a team that's going to be a heavy contender next year and was already headed towards that. They're just earlier than we all expected. You know, you can think of the 2015 Cubs. We knew they'd be good the next year in 16, but in Bryant's rookie season and Torber's rookie season, they really came together and played well. I just think it's important to put that context that this isn't a flash in the pan. This is a team that's set up for the long haul and they're showing us that we all misjudge the timeline, sadly.
0: We we need we also need to talk about the Rangers, we do, but before we do that, I just your thoughts maybe on what it's like to see Corbin Carroll on the national stage now because it it's a, it was a slam dunk that he was going to be the NL Rookie of the Year. We don't we don't know the results yet, obviously, but like, yes, he was gaining that type of attention, just at least within the league and baseball in general, of like this this kid's got it, this kid's amazing. Um, but to have him on this stage and not even just be through the first few rounds, now being on the World Series where Um, even people who aren't big baseball fans, they'll flip on the world series and they're just like, okay, well, this is the biggest baseball event of the year. And he's going to be talked about so much. He's going to get that spotlight. How enjoyable, I know you've watched, you watch every single game every single day from day one. So to see him get this type of attention, how maybe enjoyable is it to just see this type of a kid get that?
1: I mean, it's really exciting, you know? They talked about in the broadcast yesterday how Tori Lavella was asked about being in his first ever game seven as a coach or a manager, or a player, or anything like that. And his answer was that he's so glad that his players will get to be seen on this stage. And at that point, he was only talking about game seven. He wasn't even looking ahead to the World Series. We didn't even know who was going to win, but I agree with him so much. And to your point, I mean, yes, he was a slam dunk of the but how often does it happen? that entering here, year, everybody's picking some guy for rookie of the year, and it doesn't end up happening that he wins. Even though those players often go on to really great careers, the consensus march rookie there is not always the guy who ends up winning it in November. And I think Corbin Carroll deserves so much credit for living up to exactly what we expected Taking advantage of the new rules, the guy who was speedy, who we knew would steal a ton of bases, becoming, what, the first 25-50 rookie ever, what have you, and just being so, so good throughout the year. And the thing that's most impressive about him has nothing to do with what he does on the field. It shows the way he carries himself. This is the guy who took the philosophy of happiness course. This is the guy who was so even keeled. I heard him on a post-game interview in maybe early September correct his grammar. No baseball player corrects their grammar, that's just not how it goes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he said something about, oh, when my swing is going good. And then he said, no, going well. Like, nobody does that. I wouldn't even correct that if I were speaking on this podcast right now. So (laughs) the way that he carries himself, I mean... We'll get into the Rangers, but we have a really fun matchup of rookies here with Evan Carter and Corbin Carroll. It's amazing because they're both captivating in such different ways. Evan Carter, in his post-game interview after Game 7, said how much fun this is, how exciting this is, about 15 times, which is exactly what I loved here. Corbin Carroll. Last night, getting interview post game about, you know, expectations and whatever, said, in the end of the day, it's just baseball. And that's not to be flippant, but that's because he has that ultimate perspective. And that's not to say Carter doesn't, but they just are two completely disparate approaches, both of which work and both of which are so, so awesome to see.
0: You had Corbin Carroll show up in game seven. Um, as much you'd already mentioned his two stolen bases. He had three hits, a sacrifice fly, two RBIs. I mean, it is, you're talking about someone who is what is it? Twenty two? Is that am I three? Twenty-three. Okay. So he's twenty-three years old. He's stepping up in the biggest moments after already having an incredible season. I mean, this is this isn't what you see. We've talked about this plenty of times, especially with uh, Ellie De la Cruz earlier in the year. Like you know whenever there's prospects who have hype and excitement around them, but it takes time to adjust. And the way that he's hit the ground running, and not only is a rookie of the year favorite, he's a guy who is showing up through each stage of the postseason. He was responsible for two of the runs, two of the biggest runs that they this team could have needed to make sure they were going to the World Series. I mean, it's ridiculously fun. And like you said, there's Rangers rookies who are just as fun, and this matchup could be really, really entertaining. And it's hard to believe after the two LCS series that we were gifted over the last week. So I'm excited to see how the next couple days unfold as we get into the fall classic, but we'll take a quick break right now, and when we come back, we can dive into all things Rangers, and maybe at the end, I can force Sarah to give a prediction that she's not going to want to give, but I'm going to force her to do it anyway, so stay with us.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and we're getting into the Rangers now. And Sarah, we talked about the Rangers multiple times leading up to the postseason, even before we got into the playoffs, and we always used the word streaky, and that's just sort of how they had been. And I talked about how the team that I saw in Cleveland in the final weeks of the regular season was not a team that I expected to thrive in the playoffs. It just wasn't. And then you saw them limp to the finish line at, just give away the division title because they couldn't win against Seattle in the final days of the season. The Astros, of course, go against Arizona. We're talking about the two teams that limp to the finish line being the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, and now here they are in the World Series. But uh, the Astros were able to finish... The season strong won the division um and i was sitting here thinking like okay well the rangers are going to struggle now and then they got hot and i started to think okay well this is what they do this is the streakiness that they do um and i just figured that as long as they keep winning they keep winning great but i assumed that as soon as they would lose then that was open the door for that losing streak and it Didn't and that's what was so impressive was, the Astros come into their turf during this series and just dominate. It seemed like a home run was being hit every three seconds, and Game Five was the ultimate heartbreak for the Rangers, where it seemed like um, they were going to come away with the win, and then the Astros fought their way back and. Uh, It was the ninth inning, right? Whenever they were able to come the way back. I couldn't remember if it was the eighth or ninth now because there's been so much baseball. But the ninth inning that they were able to make the comeback, and it's just like that was like that dagger right to the heart for the Rangers. And you're just like, okay, this is when this team falls apart. They had their run. No. You go back to Houston, and they were back to that team that we had seen all postseason. And I think that's what was so impressive for me is they broke – this trend, this rhythm that they had fallen into of either win 100 in a row or lose 100 in a row, it felt like. And uh, they were able to fight back. And so this both of these teams sort of had a similar story in the LCS round. And so it'll be really interesting to see how they fight it out in the World Series. But I think we've already started to see that the tone is set, this could be really gritty, really fun, really different than what we've seen in the last few years.
1: I mean... I think the biggest thing with the Rangers, in a way it relates to the Dimebacks as well, yeah. I've talked about on this podcast how the Dimebacks were out to show that when they did lead the division early in the year, that wasn't a fluke that they were. um, I know we had these streaks, as you mentioned, but this was a really good team all year. And I think Bruce, I mean, obviously, Bruce Bochy deserves so much credit. But this is a team that was supposed to have Jacob Degrom. They were supposed to have him leading that rotation. And instead, he is in instead he is in the dugout looking on as they continue to do this. But one question, one thing that wasn't a question, I should say is the potential of this offense. Now, they were streaky. They had times when they went cold, but they also scored 10 runs a ton of times and were able to just come out like world beaters. So this is a team that, at least at times, was really, really good throughout the year. My biggest concern entering October for them was the bullpen, and this is where I really and relate them to the 2019 Nationals because that was another team that struggled with the bullpen during the regular season, got to the postseason, and figured it out. Now, the Nationals didn't by using Strasburg and Scherzer and Patrick Corbin out of the bullpen. The Rangers were not in a situation to really do that beyond, you know, maybe the Game 7 situation. But Jose Leclerc, minus one and a half. Hiccups has been really good. Josh Spores has been really good for them. He was able to get a really clutch outing. So I think we have to remember that this Rangers team was supposed to have Jacob Durant, right? And they did for Lulman. But this is a team that doesn't even have a decent but even despite that, they were really good this year. I know they had streaks. I know there were times when the offense was a little bit dormant. But overall, this was a really good team. So to me, even if the way the ALCS played out was surprising, the second massive seven ever where the road team won every game, the fact that the Rangers won when you really think about the course of their season. To me, it's not all that surprising. And again, even with the road team, home team thing, the Astros were below 500 home this year. No team had ever made, and has ever made, the World Series with a sub 500 home winning percent. And yes, maybe that's a random split. Well, we have a lot of World Series at this point, a lot of context going back to 1903. And the fact that it never happened probably did mean something about just being able to defend your ground. So I think that, first of all, Bruce Bochy, his impact, everything, deserves so much credit. This is why he came out of retirement to manage this team and to manage this team successfully. And again, I go back to the DeGrom injury and the fact that the bullpen did struggle in the regular season. That's where Bochy comes in. He has this reputation of being kind of a bullpen whisperer, especially in the postseason, with those even-year giant teams, and I think we're seeing that again with Jose Leclerc, who has been almost spotless, close to him, and with Josh Spores and others, and the way he's even... I mean, a role Chapman has been this big question the whole series and the whole time they've had him. And even with him, he's managed to use him in situations where it has worked out okay, uh, despite what fans might be thinking and any other sort of emotions that come with that. So, I mean, this has been a really, really fun team. And I agree it's going to be a serious. series. I'm really excited to see these teams go up against each other.
0: When you talk about injuries, I mean, my brain right now is going to just Max Scherzer and what he means to this team and how he got he hurt his shoulder uh, early to mid September, and then missed a month. And comes back in this pivotal ALCS series. He was able to pitch in games three and seven. Three wasn't that great. Seven uh, was okay, but he was on a very short leash. He only went two and two thirds. So, in your mind, is is he is he a weapon in in the next round? Like how how do how do you figure out exactly? what he can be to this team as he's basically on a rehab assignment right now. Like it doesn't make sense.
1: I think he is a weapon because of what you said about rehab assignment, which is I think how I described game three for him, even though you can't do that in the middle of the playoffs, the way that sort played out basically was. And I think the way game seven went had that not been a game seven situation he could have gone four or five innings there. He could have given them more, and he already looked better in that outing than he had in the previous. So then you give him a bit more time, and I think he'll be able to be even more so in the next round. And this is the guy who we've seen come out of the bullpen for Dave Roberts in game five of the NLTS in 2021. And get the seed against the Giants. He's a guy who has shown time and again, he just wants to win. He doesn't care. He will fight about coming out because he wants to win. And because he is who he is. But in my mind, if Bruce Boshi comes to him and says, you know, in another Game 7 situation, we're keeping you, you're pitching the ninth," He'll say, let's go, let's get me there. And so I think he has shown that. And I think he's aware of where he is in his career. But I think he really, really wants that ring. And I think that is more dangerous than any pitching ability. A motivated Max Scherzer is the best asset you can have.
0: You have this Rangers offense that proved more times than not this year that it's just lethal and it can score a ton of runs. And then you have this Diamondbacks lineup and team in general that is this never say die. We're going to just keep upsetting the world. We Nobody believes in us, and that's going to be our motivation, and we're going to prove everyone wrong. I think that has the makings of like a really special series here that could be just as fun, if not more fun, than what we were able to see in both of the LCS rounds. So now I'm going to force you to do what you don't want to do, do you have a prediction is there a way to predict what's going to happen next because of all the unpredictability that we've seen so far
1: I i refuse i will predict <laughs> a good series i'll predict a lot um just exciting moments when i'm not predicting a winner how about you I,
0: it's hard because i want to lean one way and then i think but the other way could go so um for the sake of just predicting. I'll go with the Rangers in six. No, seven. This is going seven. We're, we're going to yes, have fun. We're doing another true. seven. We're doing another seven. Um, Because why not? And I, I don't know. It just sort of seems like it's setting up way too much for Bruce Bochy and the way that his career is so special. And you think about all the championships he won with the Giants and then he stepped, he's out of baseball. It's the at 2019 was his last year or whatever in in his managerial role. He comes back in 2023 with this team that's on the rise, became more aggressive over the offseason, but they weren't very good last year and he just completely 180s everything. And it just shows how truly talented he is in this position, how much he does make a difference. Yes, it does help, but their payroll was high. It does help that they were aggressive and, um, all of these things help, but I, I don't think we can overlook just how much of an impact a manager can make. And he's showing it. He's really, really showing it. And I think it would be really impressive, special, all of the adjectives if he comes back and in this first year back in this role, he's winning a World Series again. And so it sort of seems like the storybook's setting up for that, so I'm going to lean into the journalistic side of me that's trying to already prepare for that story that could be there um, and lean towards that. But I don't know, it's hard to know because these Diamondbacks, they don't allow anyone to just skate by, even if everyone is assuming it's a slam dunk, no question. Just ask Mad Mad Dog what he thinks. I mean, it, they upset a lot of people, and so it could go either way, but I think that's how I'm going to lean for now.
1: I like it. I love it. I love it for both. We'll see.
0: <laughs> all right, we'll take a quick break right now, and we can get into our favorite segment. We can talk about all of the best moments from the LCS rounds. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Sarah Langs, and our favorite producer, Alana Schreiber. So Alana, would you like to start us off in our favorite moments from baseball over the last week?
2: Yes. So of course, I have to bring up the Diamondbacks. It's hard enough to win a Game 7 on the road, but especially to do that in Philadelphia, a city that closes down schools the day after the Super Bowl, anytime the Eagles are in it, win or lose. Like, that's how insane the fans are. And I'm sure you saw that clip online of some, you know, local news station in Phoenix went to Philly And anchors in Phoenix are like, oh, we're going to the field where our reporter has found some Diamondbacks fans. How's it going? And they show the reporter and he's like, no, I didn't. I was here for two hours and I couldn't find a single one. Um, But I think some fans heard the call because then the next day Yahoo News put out a really sweet video of all the fans who flew in last minute to come cheer on the Diamondbacks. And I just applaud them. I mean, it is so hard to... Be a fan of an opposing team in philadelphia and i just thought that video was so sweet so many of these fans said you know 20 minutes after game six they bought their tickets uh, but i think the most special little fan thing that i found was a reddit forum specifically for diamondbacks fans in philadelphia i love this so much because I I think it's hilarious that these really, like, nice, polite Diamondbacks fans don't want to, like, go around parading Philadelphia. Hey, I'm a D-backs fan. So instead, they go to the internet and are like, hey, are there any other D-backs fans out there who I can watch this game with? And someone comments like, yeah, like, I'm going to watch at this bar in Fishtown. Just, like, don't wear the jersey, but I'll see you there. But I still think it's so sweet that these fans are coming together and finding each other and rooting for their team in Philly. And I mean, I'm sure the Diamondbacks appreciated any and all the fans who who showed up. it's, It's really hard in a city like Philly, but I mean, they did it. And I'm sure those fans on the Reddit forum were all cheering them on.
1: I love that so much. And hey, fandom takes on all forms. We have the very loud fans, we have the polite fans. I love it all.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's hilarious. I had no idea that that Reddit thread even existed. Um, but I, I, I think it's hilarious, like you highlighted, that they understand that they're the minority and they're not trying to ruffle any feathers. They're like, okay, we'll just stay incognito. We're not going to be too loud. We're just going to go to the bar and we'll just stay quietly and it's fine. Um, that's fantastic. I love that you found that. And of course, you always find the interesting angles <laughs> that we don't see. Um, so I appreciate appreciate you always going that extra mile to find that because i always learn something from your little parts and contributions so um love that sarah do you have your favorite moment
1: i do so it's two moments from the uh, fox phone game show after game seven the first was marcus seven going over the center with his three sons, remember his wife just had their first daughter, but that is a newborn. But he has his three sons in tow. He's holding one of them who is not wearing a shirt, by the way, like this little three-year-old just there, and you can imagine the tantrum that led to the no shirt. And he does this interview with these kids sitting there. And the way David Ortiz is interacting with the kids, one of them had like some sort of toy, I think, and whatever. And just them watching their dad doing this is also such a cool moment for them to be a part of. So he was talking about how exciting it was for him to play in the Game 7 to get to go to the World Series. And this is the guy who. You know, he was on the A's and they had some postseason losing streak stuff going when he was there. And for him to finally be in this situation, I think he has even more perspective by having those young kids. So I love that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was the best. And then Max Scherzer comes over with his two daughters and his son and the baby again was not with him, the baby was with the mom. But these three kids, his oldest daughter, looks exactly like him. I've noticed this a few times throughout the years when she's been with him. She's sitting on his lap. The little boy takes Big Poppy's team and while Max is talking, Big Poppy starts Kind of almost like beatboxing into the microphone and then handing it to the sun to do the same. So they're like distracting on national live TV and being encouraged by Big Pommy. So it's just an amazing little moment with all them they love seeing these guys in that element with their kids when they're at this pinnacle and so so happy and able to share with their families
0: do you know anything with children i'm all game for and i actually hadn't seen it and it i it literally just popped up for me on my computer when i had pulled up a max scherzer thing just to like double check uh, his stats and it pulled up a little video in the corner and I see this shirtless kid sitting there and it was so funny and I'm like oh my god this is adorable I'm glad I didn't say it as I was looking at it so I didn't spoil your moment but that's hilarious and I love and I think Big Poppy is fantastic he is so entertaining I think he's great when, in all of these types of interviews and I think he's even funnier whenever there's kids involved so uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I literally just learned of it maybe two minutes ago. So um, very funny. And I'm for once not choosing a kid moment. Uh, I'm going back to game two of the NLCS because I have to highlight the mic'd up moment for, um, I think Bleacher Report is the one who set it all up. But you had two Eagles players in the stands of the Phillies-D-backs game in Philadelphia. And uh, you had DeAndre Swift, you had Terrell Edmonds, and they were sitting there behind home plate in the front row attending their first baseball game. And, like, what an atmosphere to be at your first baseball game. And these guys are so entertaining because they're trying to figure out what's happening as if, like— I mean, they called the umpire ref at one point just because it's instinct for them. And then they said, oh, wait, I got to call him ump, right? Um, And they're asking each other how many games of the baseball season. They're like, "Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea. Um, It was just very comical to see two guys who are elite athletes who are sitting there taking in baseball for the first time and piecing it together. Um, And then the takeaway at the end is, how much of a vibe baseball is and how fun it is and how they got to come back obviously that atmosphere isn't every single day in the baseball season but i do think that speaks highly of just how one incredible that crowd is in philadelphia we already knew that um but that sort of just doubles down on everything we already believed uh my favorite part was when they were sitting there and they showed them earlier in the game when uh, Bryson Stott's A-O-A-O-K walk-up song is on. And they were like, looking around, they're like, oh, the whole crowd sings this, like they all get into this one. And by the next time he comes up to bat, they're screaming it with the crowd. I thought that was very fun just to watch the progression of like, all right, let's figure out everything. And then a couple innings later, they're rooting along with everyone else like they already have it all figured out. Um, if you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's really well done. Um, it's really, really comical. And uh, it went viral for all the right reasons because they're. it's nice to see people from other sports understand that baseball can have that lively atmosphere that everyone assumes that it can't. Um, I know football gets all the credit for being the fun, exciting sport, but it's nice to hear when two big yeah elite athletes from another popular sport come in and they're like wow this is awesome i want to come back here it was great i think it was good for baseball i think it's good for all of us crazy people like sarah and i who eat sleep breathe baseball it was nice to have that extra confirmation that there's more out there that are uh starting to join in and baseball is certainly not dying
1: i love that video i love the reactions (laughs) And it was just so fun to see their raw reactions to it, you know, because sometimes you get athletes who are so, you know, there's so much synergy with these cities. So some athletes will just automatically support the other team in the city when they're in the playoffs. And that's great too. But I enjoyed how real and like genuine this was. It was awesome
0: it was great again if you haven't seen it yet go look it up you won't regret it um but i think that'll do it for this week's podcast it's time to get into the world series and uh enjoy a lot more fun baseball that's coming Uh, make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us leave us a rating and a review Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. And because Sarah's hitting the road for the World Series, we'll catch you back here when baseball is into the offseason.